Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by two of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Voison and Linda Venny. Each of them paralegals for over 20 years and both dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice. Thanks for joining us for our monthly podcast here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, a NALA Advanced Certified Paralegal calling in from Charlevoix, Michigan. I call myself the Paralegal Mentor, and I publish a weekly e-zine titled Paralegal Strategies. More information is available at paralegalmentor.com. Vicki Paralegal Strategies is one of the highlights of my week. I always enjoy getting it in my email. Um, I'm Lynn DeVenny. I'm a civil litigation paralegal employed at Elliott Pishko Morgan in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, those of you who know me know that I blog for paralegals at Practical Paralegalism and that I'm really enamored of my iPad, RSS feed readers, and career fashion for working women. Uh, we'd like to take this time to thank our sponsor, NALA, a professional association for paralegals, providing continuing education and professional certification programs for paralegals at NALA.org. Hey, Lynn, thanks for the kind words about my um, weekly newsletter. And right back at you with your blog. It's wonderful. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and to share with you leading trends, significant developments, and resources that you'll find helpful in your careers and your everyday jobs. We also have guests on the program to help us explore timely topics. On today's show, we'll discuss ethics and professionalism within the paralegal profession. And helping us do that today is our guest, paralegal Camille Stell, Director of Client Services for Lawyers Mutual. Camille has over 20 years of experience in the legal field. She's worked for law firms as a paralegal, legal recruiter, and also business developer. Camille also has a regular column in Carolina Paralegal News and is a very popular speaker. So welcome to the Paralegal Voice, Camille. Thank you, Vicki and Lynn. I'm excited to be here today. We're excited to have you. I was so glad when you said yes, because I always enjoy hearing you speak, and, and you always just are very positive and very encouraging, and you always give great advice. Um, you also have a very cool job. Could you tell us a little bit about your current position with Lawyers Mutual? I am so fortunate, I think, to have a, a great job that's, that's very interesting and a little bit non-traditional. Um, Lawyers Mutual uh provides malpractice insurance for lawyers. And so I am responsible for the continuing legal education program here. We offer um, CLE opportunities for lawyers, paralegals, and support staff. So I travel around the state visiting law firms, paralegal programs, and law schools and speaking to them. And I love doing that. Um, the frequent topics are uh, risk management, law office management, and ethics. Um, so I get to meet a lot of people across the state, and uh, I really enjoy that. Well, Camille, you've really had a terrific career as a paralegal and uh, a long career as a paralegal, actually. Uh, what led you to this job that you have now? Well, one of the things that 
um, I love to share, you know, part of my story, I think, is um, sort of the non-traditional career that I've had that started out very traditional. When I finished paralegal school, I went to work for um, an insurance defense firm doing litigation paralegal work. And uh, when I started, I just thought that that's what I would be doing for the remainder of my career. Um, I loved that work. But while I was working for the law firm, I had the opportunity to start teaching paralegal classes um, in a local paralegal program. As a result of that, I also started speaking um, at paralegal seminars and uh, writing. And I realized that those were skills that I really enjoyed um, in addition to the work that I was doing. So I had an opportunity to go work for Lawyers Mutual um, several years ago, and I worked for them as a risk management paralegal, um, putting together these CLE programs that, that I still work on today, and also had the opportunity to keep my legal skills sharp by um, working with our claims attorneys and um, handling uh, a malpractice caseload, uh, which was very interesting um, because that's how I would see the problems that lawyers and paralegals and support staff would get into, the, the trouble that they would get into or the problems that would come up in cases that turned into malpractice. That helped me to then, uh, you know, decide what to teach um, lawyers and paralegals about how to avoid those problems. I worked for Lawyers Mutual for about six years, had the opportunity to go back to a law firm um, where I was able to get a, a very fun job wearing three hats. And sometimes people look at me like I'm kind of crazy when that, I say how, how much I enjoyed that opportunity, but I worked as a government relations paralegal. Um, so I was down at the legislature um, uh, watching laws get enacted. Uh, I worked as a recruiter and as a business developer. And there I picked up skills, particularly in the area of marketing and developing new clients, that eventually led me back to Lawyers Mutual, um, where I got to put, you know, a lot of uh, newly learned skills into place in this job. Camille, that's a pretty amazing career path. Um, when you talked about malpractice earlier, I know that that is something critical to our listeners that they want to know how to avoid it. Um, so let's talk a little bit um, about some of the uh, ethics tips that you recommend for paralegals. Uh, in particularly, I know communications can be a delicate area. How can paralegals assist um, their attorneys in the area of client communications? You know, Paralegals have a lot of client contact um, in a typical law office. Um, the paralegal is often the, the primary person that the client is talking to. Um, so paralegals can really help the lawyer to develop the systems that they want to use to communicate with their clients, um, you know, whether that's um, developing uh, the great letters that they're going to send out, whether it's uh, maybe uh, developing a, a calendaring system that helps them stay in touch proactively with their clients. Um, so I think if paralegals are involved in sort of the systems approach to communications, that is great because where you see the problems happen is when the client gets 
ignored or forgotten or their matter falls through the cracks. And I tend to think that paralegals are good at, at the proactive work on the front end. Um, paralegals are also really good at, at using layman's terms and, and talking to the client in a way that they can understand. And usually that's very helpful. Um, you know, sometimes you'll see problems that arise because the client didn't really understand the options that the lawyer was giving them or they didn't fully understand what the lawyer was was saying and they maybe feel a little foolish coming back and asking more questions. Whereas if there's a paralegal involved, a lot of times that helps to take away some of that fear from the client and and it, it helps to smooth the communication process. Well, what kind of risk management strategies can paralegals use in their everyday jobs? You know, the main problems that we see, the trouble that lawyers get into is missing deadlines. And I think that this is an area where paralegals can be crucial. If they will um, help a law firm to develop a docket control system, um, if they themselves are very active in the docket control system, um, they know what the deadlines are, they make sure that there's advance warnings, uh, they make sure that there's more than uh, just one person, you know, who is aware of the deadline. So it's not just the lawyer that knows when the deadline is, but it's the lawyer and the paralegal together um, that are that are managing those deadlines. Another thing that paralegals can do is just to make sure that, that they double-check everything. Um, we see deadlines that are missed, but we also see deadlines that are calculated incorrectly, most often statute of limitations. So you might take a, a, a case in and it's an out-of-state case where the statute is different and no one thinks about um, uh, changing the, the automatic processes of the calendaring system where your system may automatically calculate, say, for instance, a three-year statute of limitations, but this is an out-of-state case that only has a one-year statute of limitations. So anything that paralegals can do to help double-check those calendar dates, um, deadline dates, Another area where we see that paralegals can be very helpful is follow-up after an event. So let's say it's a closing, uh, a business transactional closing or a real estate closing, and there are things that, that need to be done, uh, documents to be filed, to be recorded, um, signatures that still need to be obtained. Sometimes those things fall through the cracks because no one puts that in a calendar system or has any sort of reminder in place. So um, the paralegal on the back end of the transaction or the deal can also be very helpful. Paralegals can also um, do a good job of helping to make sure that clients have realistic expectations and that if they see a problem with that, for instance, their client in a litigation matter um, seems to be expecting some huge settlement because they saw a case just like one that was on TV or in the news, um, and, and they think their case is just like that. 
the paralegal can then talk to the lawyer and they can uh, come up with a way to help adjust that client's expectations um, and, and establish boundaries um, uh, around what what the what the expectation that the client has um, as opposed to what the lawyer can actually do for the client. Camille, I know client management is a huge part of my day. Um, and I know that a lot of paralegals deal with this. You see it a lot uh, come up on listservs and blogs. But what about dealing with uh, difficult clients? Do you have tips? Um, that's definitely something that working paralegals can expect to be a part of their career. You know, I, I, I tell lawyers and, and staff when I go out and talk to them that oftentimes if it wasn't for difficult clients, we wouldn't have clients. And, you know, in a way, I kind of expect to get a little bit of a chuckle with that, but it really is true. And I know, Lynn, in, in your area of practice, um, you know, workers' comp, you are seeing people talking to people who've been injured on the job. And when we think about the reasons that clients come into our offices, well, most of the time they're hurt or injured. Uh, they're going through a divorce. Um, they're going through a, a business breakup, you know, so they're not coming to us in the best of circumstances. And that tends to make people behave in ways that they might not otherwise behave. So in some sense, many of our clients are difficult clients. Um, and then you certainly have those, you know, kind of horror stories that are, you know, a little bit outside of, of what we would see every day. But I think there are tips that you can um, work with difficult clients and see a little bit of success. One is um, to make sure that you follow your standard procedures. So if you always uh, follow up phone calls with form letters to you know confirm you know what you what you've told the client, Make sure that you do that with this difficult client because the difficult client is going to be the one that comes back to you and is going to engage in a little bit of he said, she said. And so your documentation there is going to be especially important. Um, Another thing that you can do is make sure that you help to keep the client's expectation real. I, I tell lawyers, um, you know, a lot of family law um, paralegals and, and lawyers talk about how stressful their jobs are. And when the client comes to them, the lawyer thinks that they want a divorce. But what the client really wants is for their life to be better. And that's a hard thing for a lawyer or a paralegal to do is to make someone's life better. So you have to really make sure that you're communicating to your client, here's what we can do for you. We can file papers. We can help you formalize a divorce. We can work on custody issues. But if you're looking to make your life better, there might be other things that your client is going to have to do. You may have to refer them to other resources, to counselors, to uh, healthcare professionals, um, encourage them to talk to their friends. So some of that, I think, is a little bit of hand-holding that our difficult clients really need and that I think paralegals are particularly well-equipped to do um, because most of the time, 
they can really empathize with the client sometimes better than the lawyer can. They're not looking at the case so much um, as one more case to give legal analysis, but they've gotten to know the client as a person, and they really can empathize with the pain that they're going through. Camille, thanks. I think um, that that's very insightful, and, and they are going through the worst periods of their lives, so it does take some extra patience and empathy that I think paralegals have to offer. Uh, it is time to take a quick break now. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Camille Stell of Lawyers Mutual. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Need to reach legal professionals on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We could start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and our guest today is Paralegal Camille Stell, Director of Client Services for Lawyers Mutual. Camille, as long as we're talking about ethics, there is, uh, is one question that I want to be sure to cover with you. Uh, one of, um, really, one of the best opportunities I've, I've had since I started speaking about ethics myself is to be um, asked to uh, serve as an expert witness in a legal malpractice case where the paralegal allegedly committed the unauthorized practice of law. So, of course, the attorney was sued um, because he, you know, she was working under his supervision. So I'd like to ask you, and one other thing is that the unauthorized practice of law is really difficult to define, but how can paralegals um, avoid the unauthorized practice of law? What tips do you have for that? You know, uh, Vicki, when I was teaching ethics to paralegal students, I tried to spend a lot of time talking with them about the unauthorized practice of law. And what I really boiled the definition down in a way that I think that paralegals can really understand it on a day-to-day basis, not in a classroom, not from a book, but on their jobs as they're going to face it every day is if you, the paralegal, take your knowledge of the law and you apply it to your client's situation in order to provide them with advice. And an example that I would use would be, let's say you have a client to call you and say, um, I am a landlord and my tenant hasn't paid rent in two months. Can I deadbolt the door so they can't get back in and get their belongings? And if I were a paralegal in that situation and I knew what the law was, I knew that there were very specific things that you had to do uh, in order to deadbolt that door, I take that client situation and I give them an answer, then I'm committing the unauthorized practice of law. Now, how does that work practically 
if we're in a practice where every day I get that same phone call, well, there are opportunities where there are answers that are going to be the same no matter what the situation. You can always do this or you can never do that. If that's the case, then you and your lawyer can work together on what these common scenarios are. When the client calls, then you are not giving your own independent opinion, but you're saying if A and B happens, then you can do C. And that is always the case, and my lawyer has told me that I can always tell our client that. So I think that there are ways that we can figure out what works in our specific area of practice with specifically frequently asked questions where I'm relaying information. But otherwise, if I'm just taking my knowledge and an independent situation and applying it and and providing an answer, then I'm giving legal advice. So I think it's something that that paralegals can really struggle with, um, and they need to make sure that they've talked through these scenarios with their lawyers and they know what answers are safe and at what point they have to say to their client, I can't give you any, you know, help here. I need to go and talk to the lawyer and get a response for you. I hope that, that that's helpful. It is, Camille. And the other thing I always tell people is to document every every exchange between you and the client um, and have a system. Uh, case software is great, but case management software to to deliver the, the content of that conversation to the attorney so that, that they know what information was exchanged. Um, Camille, I wish we could talk to you all day. You are really interesting and you're a great teacher. Um, you're a popular speaker and writer in the area of uh, paralegal professionalism. And I want to talk just a minute about, you know, paralegals and their professional image. Um, what tips do you have for paralegals, uh, especially those that, you know, want to focus more on projecting an extremely professional image at all times? You know, the things that I think are most important um, are being dependable, um, meeting all deadlines, um, being consistent in your work product, um, deliver excellence at every opportunity, you know, not just every third or fourth project. Um, I encourage paralegals to really take ownership of projects, not to to look at something and, and say, well, this is just the lawyer's case and, you know, I'm just going to do this small little memo. This doesn't have to be perfect or, you know, this doesn't have to be that great. It's just a little piece of the puzzle. Um, but really take ownership of the big picture so that every piece you contribute, you know, you feel that same level of of professionalism. I tell paralegals to avoid over-promising and under-delivering. It doesn't do anyone any good for you to say, I can have this done by the end of the day if you know you can't. It just sets you up for failure and it sets your lawyer up for disappointment. So I think those are, are sort of my top tips on how to uh, to maintain the highest level of professionalism, and they really revolve around delivering excellent service. I totally agree with you, Camille. Now, tell me, uh, 
What kinds of things do you see that may be hurting a paralegal's professional image without the paralegal even realizing it? One thing that I'm always disappointed about um, is I get calls from law offices um, where they ask me to come in and, and talk to their staff and, you know, hit some ethics and hit some risk management. And sometimes they'll say and talk about uh, appropriate dress, um, talk about, um, you know, professionalism when you're on the phone, um, tell our staff not to talk on their cell phones during work. And I, I do think that those are things that we tend to see slipping into the the professional image a little bit more um, into you know, professional law offices is just sort of a lessening of standards. People come to work, um, you know, maybe dressed a little more sloppily than they should. They keep their cell phones on all day. Um, they they are frequently you know texting friends. They're on Facebook. Um, I think most employers would be willing for for people to, um, you know, your kids call and, and they're sick and they need to be picked up from school or, you know, they're checking in when they get home from work. I think most employers are fine with that. But I think when it turns into the all-day chat fest, that employers really get frustrated. So those are a few of the the calls that I get um, that people um, are particularly looking to to send a message to their their paralegals and support staff to handle handle themselves a little more professionally. And then I think even if you make sure that you have a professional signature line on your emails, you have a professional voicemail greeting uh, when you walk into a lawyer's office, that you always have you know, a pen, a pad, uh, a portfolio. If you're coming to talk about a case, that you bring the file with you. Um, If you have a question about the rules of civil procedure, you bring the rule book with you and you, you know, can can go through it together. Um, Being prepared for meetings with your attorneys. Um, And and again, kind of always meeting those deadlines, um, making sure that, you do what it is you say you're going to do. I agree, Camille. That's all good advice. Do you have any resources that you recommend for paralegals who are interested in professional and career development, uh, especially online, things that they can access and read? Well, there, I'm sure there are some things online, but one thing before I hit that that I do want to plug is getting involved in paralegal associations. Because I think that the opportunity to network and meet people face-to-face see how other professionals act, how they carry themselves, um, how they've developed their leadership skills. I think that there is um, really no greater way to learn than from watching other professionals. Um, So I think that that's very important. And I think that's true even for paralegal students. Um, You know, most of the associations that I'm familiar with offer um, discount rates for students, sometimes even free discount rates for attending their seminars. Um, so that's just such a great way for people to, to see professionalism in action. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, the the web is just such an easy source of information. Um, one thing I've really enjoyed is LinkedIn groups. And I like to follow um, 
group discussions that talk about paralegals, paralegal issues, um, uh, like to find uh, webinars. Oftentimes you can find free, you know, um, educational opportunities on the web through things like LinkedIn groups. So that's one of my favorite places to go um, for for professional resources is LinkedIn. And I know it will sound like um, I'm not being genuine here, but Lynn, your website and your blog um, is one of my favorite things. And this podcast, I think it offers great advice. And so um, as far as resources online, I think you two are both doing a great job of providing good content and it, making it accessible to a lot of people. Thanks, Camille. I thought you sounded very genuine. <laughs> and I really appreciate the positive feedback because you've been a role model for a long time. So um, if you're getting good feedback from you, then I feel like we're doing something right. Camille, we really appreciate uh, you being with us today. Uh, how can listeners reach you if um, they want any advice regarding ethics or risk management? I would love for people to reach out. Um, I'm always interested in talking with people and, um, you know, offering them advice and encouragement. So I'd be glad for people to reach out. Um, they can visit the Lawyers Mutual website, which is lawyersmutualnc.com. My email address is uh, Camille at lawyersmutualnc.com. I have an 800 number, 800 662-8843. So I would welcome phone calls or emails um, at any time uh, from people who are interested in, in hearing more about professionalism, mentoring, um, leadership paths, anything like that. And I've had a great time talking to you guys today. Thank you so much for uh, allowing me to be on the program. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Camille. I agree. You were great. Thank you. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to theparalegalvoice at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to take another break now and come back with some paralegal news and announcements. Don't go away. Want to stay in touch with the Legal Talk Network and get our shows automatically? RSS provides home delivery. You don't have to remember where to click. The good stuff comes right to you automatically and free. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and hit the RSS button at the top of the page. It says our podcast feeds. Now you'll be all set. So nobody's reading your ads in the legal journals or magazines? Try your marketing with Legal Talk Network. Over 4 million listeners since launch. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the time when I give a practice tip and Len has a social media tip for you. Uh, today's practice tip is, is just a follow-up on what Camille uh has told us during this podcast, and she had some very good tips, but you should always use checklists and and systems when you do your work. If there's something that you do all the time, keep a checklist so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel, and also so that you're able to do the follow-ups that Camille was talking about that are so important 
I know that I've run across files, and they weren't files I was working on, but where things didn't get recorded when they were supposed to, or um, didn't get sent to the people that were supposed to get them. And that won't happen if you have a good follow-up system. And I think it's up to paralegals to put those in place. So, Lynn, what do you have for our social media tip today? I just wanted to talk about uh, social media. It, you know, I've been to a couple CLEs recently. Uh, in fact, I was um, privileged and honored to be invited to the Guilford Paralegal Association on Saturday. I heard a great digital forensics expert talk about the dangers of social media to the extent that I heard a good friend of mine behind me go, oh my God, I'm going home and take down my Facebook account immediately. Um, and, and I think that was, there was a vibe in the room um, that social media is very dangerous. Um, and as much as I love social media, you know, I have to agree. Uh, if you're going to do bad things and you're going to do them online, uh, you know, social media is probably a very bad place for you to be. But, you know, I don't think that people should go home and take down their Facebook account. I think they miss so many opportunities for professional networking, um, learning. I mean, I see a lot from other paralegals across the country. I've had opportunities that I wouldn't have had otherwise from talking to paralegals across the country. So, you know, I think, um, you know, Social media used responsibly is a very, very good thing. Uh, if you treat your anything you post online uh, the same way you would if you were standing up at a professional seminar and you wouldn't say anything that you wouldn't say to that large group of people plus your mama sitting on the front row, you're going to be okay. Um, and I just kind of wanted to put that out there. And I think another underutilized resource, um, I was glad that Camille plugged LinkedIn, especially the professional groups for paralegals is a lot of the uh, paralegal associations have uh, Facebook pages for their group. And sometimes when I talk to uh, large groups, I'm always surprised that they don't know um, that their group has a Facebook page or they haven't, um, they are part of Facebook, but they haven't fanned up for their association. So I hope you'll show your association some support. It's a great way to get to know fellow members outside of uh, annual CLEs or meetings. And uh, social media can be a good thing if used for good stuff. And that's it for today. Well, that's all the time we have for today, Lynn. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes on our blogs, practicalparalegalism.com and paralegalmentor.com. This is Vicki Voison. And I'm Lynn DeVinney. Thank you all for joining us today. And remember, make your paralegal voice heard. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice with Linda Venny and Vicki Voison. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Be sure to get the next edition of the podcast. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. 
Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.